Uh, okay, hi, this is Tanya for, what day is today? <laughs> Yudtes Sivan, um, for the first part of chapter 7, which is a very long chapter. We're basically doing chapter 7 this whole week and the whole, oh, it's Thursday. Huh. <laughs> I keep thinking it's like Monday. Oh, it's Okay, well, for the rest of this week and next week. Um, so chapter 7 is basically the first part of, like, part 2 of Shari Yachud Ben-Munah. Shari Yachud can be split up into two parts, where the first part is basically everything we just did, where we talked about almost, like, not it wasn't the introduction because it was so much, but it was almost like, like, our original question was about Yachud and Yachud Tata. How can we talk about two levels of God's unity if God is actually one? So to understand that, we have to understand what it means that God is actually one. And that's what we just did in the first six chapters. We understood what it means that God is actually one. In really simple language, honestly, what it means that God is actually one is that there is nothing except for him. Which means that everything you're seeing that looks like something is actually also him. It doesn't mean that it's also not that thing. That would be... If we, if we start getting into like, oh, then that means it's not actually reality. Then we are... We're, we think we're God. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like that song, the John Bellion song. Like, I, I bet if I knew his plans, I bet he wouldn't be God, right? Like, if, or like that story of like the Zemach Tzedek of like somebody saying, I think it was the Zemach Tzedek, that somebody said like, why is God doing it the way he did it? And he's like, what would you do if you were God? And this guy says like, I would do this, this. And Zemach Tzedek says, or one of the Rebbeim say like, if I was God, I would do things exactly the same way. Like the same way that God is doing them. Not because the Tzimach knows what should happen, but because he knows that God knows, you know? And it's like, that's the same thing that we're saying here. It's like, when we tap into this place of like, everything of reality is actually God, then we have to ask ourselves, what does God think it all is? You know what I mean? It's like the people who go on the spiritual trips and it's like, oh, if everything is actually God, then nothing exists and we're just figments of imagination and all that no, if that's saying everything is actually God, but then I'm deciding what God thinks about reality. You know, it's like there's not a full truth. The full truth is if everything is actually God, then let me look into Torah. Let me ask Hashem what he thinks reality is. And what Hashem says reality is, is gracious bar like him, dear betachtainim, neshamas begufim, relation. I mean, and obviously that takes us kind of believing in Chassidus and believing in Torah, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's interesting. Anyways, so now basically that was the whole first six chapters of what does it mean that God is actually one? What does it mean that God is actually one? Havaya huwa alekim. That was the main. Hashem hu alekim, ein oid, literally ein oid which means that in the heavens above where there is spirituality surging, havaya, woohoo, this is obviously God, and in the places of arets, which are the places that just look like isness. The kalim and the R are actually the same. The vessels and the light are one. The tzimtzum and the R are the same thing. There is nothing that isn't Hashem. The vessel that's holding Hashem's light is also Hashem. There is just no space that isn't, that isn't God. So that's what, that's what the unity of God means, LOL. Because it's funny to even be able to say that. Like The altar was like setting us up to be able to say that, but like... I feel like, I don't know, I feel like he also kind of expects me to say, like, if I think, I, if I'm saying it, I'm probably not fully understanding. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Like, if I think I fully understand it, I probably don't because it's like he said it at the beginning of the book of like, we're, we're going to find, we're going to find the unity of God to the most that we can understand and also beyond that. And the Rebbe's note of the beyond that is that when you get to the point of fully understanding the unity of God, you, what you realize is that I don't get it. And in that space of I don't get it is where you actually get it. So like you can understand everything you understand and then beyond that and the beyond that is that space of just like if I think I'm getting it, I'm probably not, which means that and then it's like, okay, now I'm actually getting it because I'm getting that I really actually can't get this. Because if I think I'm getting it, then I'm looking at reality and I'm like, I don't know, but we do get it to some extent. Like we, I think we can get it. Okay, and then I'm going to go inside, but I don't go out for hours like this, but I think we can get it to the extent that Hashem expects us to get it. Like in moments of stress, when we kind of tap into this state, which literally I've been, I've been like on, on a high from this for the past few days of just like, like learning this language has just, it's been in my mind. Like this moment too is God. This moment too is God. This moment too is God. And it's like, I dealt with this like thing, like I got this like Delta Airlines credit card the other day. And like, I got it and the woman at the counter was like, this is the biggest promotion, whatever. So I was like, okay, awesome. Like it was an extra 42,000 miles. Awesome. Then I get an email the next day from Delta saying that you can actually get 60,000 miles if you sign up today. And like, I use, like, I want my miles. Like I fly so much. So I'm like, okay, so we call them and try to see. I was on the phone with them for a few minutes and I'm like, it wasn't, they were like, no, basically. And then like, it's so small. But like, I literally said to the guy like on the phone, I was like, you know something? God runs the world, you know? And like, I said that language of God runs the world, but in my head, I'm like, it's not that God runs the world. That's like, that's like what Alderba said the other day of like, that there's the world, and then Hashem is saying, this should go like this, and this should go like this, and this should go like that. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is that this exact moment that I'm sitting here talking on the phone with you about these miles that I didn't get and did get, and the miles that I should have and shouldn't have, it's like, this is the divine purpose of all of creation since since Simsim Harishan, like since Nisava HaKadosh Baruch and it's like okay like that it just became such an exciting moment not because it was exciting but just because like I was in relationship with Hashem in that moment you know and it's like in all the moments of our lives like with kids with the things we want with like everything it's like to tap into the space inside of myself that can say this moment is me having an opportunity to access a relationship with Hashem because that's what this moment actually is. It's Hashem talking to me in some way, it's, you know? It's like, it just becomes exciting. And I, I brought it up because I think that the way that we're able to understand it is what we're meant to. We're not meant to walk around being like, oh, I, I should be able to know this more than I do. Like, you know, the way that we can tap into it is how Hashem expects us to tap into it. So it's pretty exciting. Anyways, okay, so that was the end of chapter six. What that is, what it's on unity said in chapter seven, we're starting the conversation <clears throat> all about how understanding that leads to the difference between Yehuda Ila and Yehuda Tata. So, dun 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 dun. Okay, and very short, Yehuda Ila and Yehuda Tata, just so you can know when we go in. And probably people know this already, but just to bring it up in case, Yehuda Ila is, oh, I know, it reminds me of the beginning in. The earlier books, and we talked about Avas Elam and Avaraba. Like Avaraba was this love of God that was like, there is God. There is lo- I love God. Oh, God is in the world. Oh, versus Avaraba is like, 
I love the world. I see I'm in the world, and then I see God in the world. Tata is when I look at the olam, I look at the world, and I'm like, wow, where did all this come from? What is this actually? Wait, this is actually the unity of Hashem. This is actually Hashem speaking to me. <laughs> this is actually, you know, versus Yechuda <coughs> Ilah is there is only God. There is literally only God. And then from that place, if there is actually only God, but Hashem is saying there is reality, oh, okay, so then Hashem must be in reality too. Hashem must be reality too. Okay. And from this we will be able to understand what it says in the Zohar, the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael, that the Pasuk of Shema Yisrael is referring to Yechuda Ila, and Ubarach Shem Kivai Machusa Le'alam Ba'ed, Hu Yechuda Tata. And that Barach Shem Kivai Machusa Le'alam Ba'ed is the two Pasukim Shema, is Yechuda Tata. So, start with Yechuda Tata. Key. Ba'ed, who, and I learned this like three times before, like understanding what other was saying. It's, Okay, so va'ed is equivalent to echad through chilufe asvan. This is substitution of letters. Okay, I remember learning this other times in my life when I learned Shari Yochadamuna and just being like, like I rolled my eyes. Like, this is what, and, and always when I learned this stuff in Torah, I literally just would roll my eyes. I'd be like, it's ridiculous. Okay, like this word is the same as this word if you take every letter and switch it with a different letter. Like, what are we saying? But then when I, was, when I learned it this time, and again, it took me a few times before I actually got it, based on what we already learned in Shari Yechud this makes a lot of sense because what we already learned in Shari Yechud in the beginning chapters is that everything is Dvar Havaya coming from the Asar Maimaris, right? From the 10 utterances. How do we get from the Asar Maimaris to the word Evan, to the word stone? The stone literally looks like there is no godliness in it. It is just, the stones are like the definition of like, this just has been here for eternity, right? People, scientists could say a stone has been here for 5 billion years. It literally looks like it's never, it has no godliness in it, no energy. How does the Asamimaris, which are Yehirakia, you look at the heavens and you're like, oh my God, obviously God is real, right? How do you get from that to stone? Through these, this thing called Chilufe Aswan, which is this Kabbalistic concept of the substitution of letters and gematria and Basically, those letters becoming other kinds of letters. That process, though, isn't random. That process is... It's like the exact process of concealment, which, as we know already, the concealment is also God. It's just God showing himself in different ways that leads to reality being able to look the way it looks. So the, the gematria isn't like, oh, after the fact, you see the gematria. It's like when there, is a, when there is a stone, the way that it became that stone is because of the process of the gematria of the original letters of the Asar or the Chilufi Asvan or whatever it is that led to that stone being able to show itself as a stone. So now when we're saying that the word for Barak Shem Kremel Chus right? The, this word Va'ed, which is Yechud Tata, that if you take Va'ed, and you turn it into, you could take va'ed and you could turn it into echad. And I'm not going to get into how, because it's, first of all, I don't really understand it, but in very short, and it doesn't really help anything. It just, Kabbalistically, it's because vav could be, bleh. I don't even know, honestly, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but there's like guttural sounds and there's vowel sounds and they can be switched with each other. But honestly, as much as we understand that, it still doesn't, 
it's never going to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like, what we can get from this is that the switching of letters isn't random. It's, it's, that is the process of concealment that leads to reality looking the way it looks. And then it's like, it really all comes together when you realize that which level of divine unity has the switching of letters? Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad, right? So we're saying that this word Echad is about the unity. No switching there. That's where it's obvious. Where do we switch the letters in? By Baruch Shem Kibayim Machusai, Le'aylam Va'ed. In this lower level, when we're taking the Aylam and we're seeing that it's Echad, that is when there's a switching of letters from Va'ed to Echad, because that is the whole concept of this switching of letters to begin with. That it's, it's, the concept of switching of letters is referring to these, to the experience of, of Hashem's world where there is less revelation of God. Not making any sense? <laughs> it's like super, it's, it's trippy and it makes, it basically makes you realize that like nothing's random. Like, oh, why couldn't Hashem have just have said, Baruch Shem Kibay Machusay La'aylam Echad? Because, Exactly. It, it, that's not Yechudah Tata. That's Yechudah Ilah. Yechudah Tata is the concept of it not being obvious and us seeing it anyways. And that concept of it not being obvious, you can't have the word Echad there. You have to have a diminished fir- version of Echad, which is Va'ed. But Va'ed is actually Echad when you actually see it clearly. But that process is not random. It's actually like what we're talking about. It's, it's wild. Okay. So kivaet, and it's just like one line of Tanya, you know, but it's like kivaet hu echad bechufe asvan. You know, it's like you can just so easily go over that, but it's just so powerful. Okay, so now we're gonna talk about yichudetata for a bit. So kihine kisibas kihine kisibas tam v'tam hatzimtzum v'hester hazeh shehister v'helam akadosh baruch hu eschachai shal alam kadosh yeh alam nira davar mifne atzmai. So the cause and reason for the tzimtzum. So now we're basically saying kibaruch baruch and kum machusal la'anavad. Why did Hash? We're we're going to talk about like the malchus of this pasuk. Why does why are we using the term malchus? What is actually happening in Chodetata? To get into that, we're asking this question of again. We asked this question like a billion times, but asking it again. Why is Hashem putting so much energy into creating a world where things look separate from Him? Why is He doing it? Before we asked how He did it, and the answer was Tzimtzum, and that the Tzimtzum is actually Him. Now we're asking why. What's the purpose? Why is He doing this? Why is it so important that Hashem is trying to make a world where things look separate from Him? Hine. Okay. Then after when I turn the page, it's going to go a lot faster. But just one other thing on that, like meaning the, the end of Tanya is pretty fast today. But just one other thing on this question, I, I was just thinking about it. Like, you can look at that question like intellectually from a Tanya perspective of like, oh yeah, why is Hashem making a world that looks separate from Him? But. I was just thinking for myself, like, I ask that question all the time to, about my life. Like, why is Hashem not revealing himself in my life? Why do I have to wait for the things I want to wait, I'm, trying, I'm waiting for? Why, are, why am I experiencing anxiety? You know, like, why does life not look the way? Why does not life not look aligned with what I know it could be? I know that life could be good. I know that I could be feeling good. I know that, why am I not experiencing that? You know, why do I go through these stages of life and these phases and these experiences or even moments of not, in, in this language, it's where Hashem is not revealed. And in our language, it's sometimes just like where things feel S-H-I-T-T-Y. You know what I mean? Or like, why do I have to have the experience of looking at 
somebody in my family or a child or somebody and just not seeing the light in them. Like, why do I even have to experience that? Like, why do I have to see my, why do I have to look at myself and not see the light in myself? Like, why? Why do I have to go through this stuff? You know? And that's essentially the question here. Why is Hashem creating a world? Like, what would be lacking if God just created a world where it was obvious that everything was actually good and that everything was actually God and that everything was actually love and, and royalty and divinity and, you know, what would be lacking? What, why is Hashem making a world where there is this, in essence, the word is gullus, really, but where there is this space where we're seeing reality as separate from this ultimate truth? Because it's, that, that wording really is important because we're not saying, why is Hashem making a world where we never see him? Because we do sometimes experience light and love and that state of alignment. And what we're saying is, why is there ever moments that feel separate from that? Why is there arets? Why can't we just be Shemayim? Why is there arets? Why, is, why can there only be Havaya? Why is there Elikim? I get that Elikim is actually Havaya. I get it. I get that Aretz is the same thing as Shemayim. I get it. But why do we have, why is Hashem creating a world where it doesn't look like that? What's the purpose? Why? What's, why, why do we need that? Okay. And now I'm going to answer why we have. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just going to read Tanya. Okay. It is known to all that the purpose of the creation of the world is the revelation of God's sovereignty. So what does it mean that God's sovereignty will be revealed? We're going to talk about it. I'm just mention, I'm going to mention this quickly and then I'm just going to read the rest inside because we have, almost have to understand it simply in, our, in order to understand it more deeply. But like when people ask me, people ask me a lot, like people here and also people from the podcast ask me like, like you're just making this up. You know what I mean? You're making this up that this actually applies to us in the way that you're saying it applies to us. And it's possible if I am making this up and I have to get retribution when I go to Shabbat, I will gladly receive it. I don't think I'm making it up. I've heard enough like Hasidists from the Rebbe and from teachers that are much smarter than me that... I'm not making this up, and enough proof, like, in davening, in, in chassid, I, I don't think I'm making it up. You know, even the, the Rebbe's first mimer of Basi Lagani, like that, our purpose in life is to reveal Hashem in our own heart, in our own mind. Hello? You know what I mean? Like, this, this is, whatever. But, why was I saying that? Oh, yeah, because to get to the point, oh, I know why I was saying that, because the people who think that we're, I'm making this up, I, I thought I'm making this up for a while too. Why? Because we don't usually taught like this. We're usually taught only in this exact language that the Altar Rebbe is going to give now without applying it to who, to who we are. So when the Altar Rebbe is saying that Hashem's glory should be revealed in the world, right? We usually stop there. That Hashem's glory should be revealed in the world. And then as kids and in high school, we learned that to mean that we should do mitzvahs and reveal Hashem in the apple and reveal Hashem in the water bottles and reveal Hashem in when the old lady's crossing the street and do this mitzvah, right? And that's what, that's, oh, and you reveal Hashem inside of you when you dress tzniyas, just like the Torah reveals Hashem and the Torah is covered by a thing. When you're tzniyas, you're revealing it. It's like we use this kind of language that is all true and all real, but we just forget to use, and honestly, I think that it's just kind of Mashiach coming and that's why people are kind of waking up to this 
new way of seeing things too, which is, it's not new. It's just, it's just part of this reality that if Hashem is being revealed everywhere, Hashem is also being revealed inside of me. We can't be the exclusion. It's not the right word. The thing that doesn't apply. <laughs> but we can't be like the thing that doesn't apply. Exception. exception. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> we can't be the exception to the rule of divine unity. So if we could finish learning this chapter and talk about how the purpose of creation is that we should feel separate from Hashem in order to reveal that we are actually one, in order to reveal Hashem's unity, in order to reveal that Hashem is actually one, but then still end up feeling like, oh no, but there are parts of me that, you know, are too bad and, and mistakes that I've made that are really just ugly and whatever, all that. And I still need to, you know, do a lot of things in order to prove my worth in this world. And, you know, we're missing something. We're missing something. We're saying that everything is divine unity except for, you know, and I can't help but think that like when the Rebbe says like all the sparks have been elevated, it's like all the sparks of the world. Yeah, like we, we've elevated so much already. It's like what, what's left is our heart and mind. That was, that was the Basit Lagani that Rebbe said. What's left is like revealing this truth that Hashem's kingdom, that, that Hashem is this in, inside of me. And so I just bless us all that as we go forward, to not get lost in the wording. Not because the wording doesn't apply to this, but because without applying this, it's easy to get lost. We have to apply it. You know what I mean? That's, just, that's what Chassidus is. We have to apply it. So, okay. Because there is no king without a nation. Perish am milashen aimemus. The word am is related to the word aimemus. Aimemus means like diminished. Why? Because the kingdom has to be, in a sense, not. Hey, Chaviva, what's up? The kingdom has to be not as. Not, not related, but not. The kingdom can't feel like they are the king in order for the king to be king over them. The, the subjects, the king, the kingdom has to feel like they are separate and far from the king. Because even if the king had many children, the term kingship would not apply. And even if he had a lot of ministers or children, he, he, you can't be king. Only in a numerous nation can there be the glory of the king. Meaning the glory of the king is specifically shown when there are people that don't feel like they are the king. So the name that indicates this attribute of Hashem's Malchus is the name of Adnus. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that word. Okay, anyways, hopefully that will be the last time. Um, for Kate, what, this is like the, the davening of like Adain Ailam. We're saying that Hashem is the king of all the world. Adain Ailam, right? You can be an Adain when there is an Ailam, when there is concealment. When there is a, a world that doesn't believe that they are you. It is this attribute, this malchus or this adnai, which brings the world into existence and sustains it as it should be now, as it is now, which is a world that's experiencing itself as yesh gamar v'davar nifrad in mamish, a world that's completely independent and separate and not nullified to Hashem. Um, Okay, this last paragraph of the Because if there was the withdrawal of this 
attribute, which is this malchus, which is Hashem revealing himself in a way that makes reality feel separate from him. The world would literally revert to its source, which was the word of Hashem, meaning we would see nothing except for Devar Havaya. And it would be completely battle there. And there would never be the shame Ailam. What is the shame Ailam? Ailam is the same word as Helam. There would not be a world where people are able to experience themselves as separate from the king. And if, like, I was thinking about like a funny way of understanding that is almost like it would be as if the king, you know, came to the kingdom and said, hi guys, I'm actually, there's no, I can't even think of it because it would actually, it would be like the king saying, I'm actually you, you know, but you have to think about that from the perspective of the people, all they want is to be with the king. All, and if you think about it, like, it's crazy. Like all we want is to be in our royalty. All we want is to be in our alignment. What do people want already? You know, we want to be, we want to feel good. We want to feel like we're standing up straight and tall and making a difference and being powerful and purposeful. You know, that's what we want. And it's like, that's actually what we are. <laughs> but to get there, we have to reveal that. And like, it, it, and if Hashem did not make us feel separate from him, it would literally be like the king coming to the people and saying, you are actually no different than me. And for a kingdom to work, meaning for the kingdom to choose the king and then the king, for there to be this relationship, which as we're saying, is, as we're going to say, is literally dear um, there has to be that separation so that we could, we, we could figure it out, essentially. It's like we're literally in like an escape room trying to figure it out. And like Hashem is just like, one more step, like, please reveal in you that I am actually you, that you are actually me, that, I don't know, I call it an escape room, call it dating, I don't know, this <laughs> It's a little trippy, honestly. It's like not so nice. It's like Hashem, just come on. <laughs> but I don't know. But I, I just keep thinking, like every time I get cynical about it, I keep going back to the space inside of my like heart and mind that doesn't even fully believe this, but that is curious about this. That like maybe I want this too. Like maybe from before, like the cynical part of me is the part of me that's just like this is all ridiculous. Like this is all like this is like some either like none of this is true and like everything's just not real. Or, like, this is some, like, scheme of God that, like, he desired that, like, we go through all this, like, stuff of life and then come back and then like, figure it out. And, like, like, it just all feels, like, silly. But then I just, I, what, the thing that I keep thinking is, like, maybe I wanted this too. And Chazidus does say that. And Tara says that, that Hashem consulted with the tzaddikim. And, like, tzaddikim, like we're all tzaddikim. And, like, maybe before creation, Nishamais and Hashem decided that there that this should be what it is I was part of this maybe <laughs> you know so anyways the rest of Parag Zion is I didn't even know that this was Parag Zion but it's all about actually for real the concept of Tzim Tzim Lokib Shittai the author but spells it out for us and says that we're saying that Hashem is one with the Ilam what is Ilam? Ilam is time and space Literally, that's what Ailam is. And when we tap into the state of really realizing that Ailam is actually Echad, time and space don't disappear, but we become unbounded by them. We are no longer victims of time and space. And, okay, I should stop because way over time. But just in very short, I was thinking about that. Like, it's not only that now we can walk through walls. That's not that important. We don't need to walk through walls. It's like that story of, like, the Rebbe Levitzchukah and the Alter Rebbe when... 
they needed to both walk through the same wall, the same doorway, and they both couldn't fit. And Rabbi said, we can just walk through the wall. And the altar said, we don't need to make extra miracles. Like, we don't need to do unnecessary miracles. But they could. At Tzad, they can walk through a wall. No problem. It's, it's, it's possible. They don't need to not walk through a wall because from the perspective of Al-Yainim, you see Tachtainim, you see time and space as only reflections of Hashem. And Hashem can't stand in the way of Hashem. It's like when Nachshain walked into the ocean. Hashem, can't, Hashem told me to go forwards. There's an ocean here, but I know the truth of Enon Mavadai. So this ocean can't stand in my way because the ocean is also God. God can't stand in the way of God. God can't hide from himself. But on a very much more like level of what this actually means for our lives, like one of the first like healing works that I ever did was work of like Byron Katie, where she talks about like how oftentimes we're living in movies of the past and of the future and we're bound by them. Right, where we respond to things based on how our minds are experiencing this moment, but oftentimes our mind and our reaction isn't actually about this moment. It's about what we think this moment means about our future, and we're seeing in our mind this whole movie that's taking place, future tense, of what this is going to mean about me, about my life, about the whatever. Or we're stuck in the past of. Based on experiences that I've had, I now react to this moment in certain ways. And it's like the ultimate liberation is when I can actually realize that my past, my present, and my future don't limit me. They don't limit me. I can hold all of them. I am the container. I am the self that can hold the fullness of my entirety of my life, past, present, and future. And like I'm no longer now limited by these, by the by the, by the, it's really movies, by the things that I'm kind of being held captive by that are past and future because I am the container that's holding all, I'm the self that's holding all of it. And it's like, when we're talking about like since of and like how this world of Helem, which is time and space and how we are the, we, when we can access the divinity inside of it all, which is literally the, the space inside of me that can say that this is not just fragmented pieces. Like, this is all one thing and I'm holding it all and Hashem is holding it all. It's like, it's like what we can do with that is, is tremendous. And so either read Loving What Is, which is Byron Katie's book, or follow along with the rest of Tanya. Um, yeah, thank you for being here.